My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment. I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. On this week's Keizu Poetry Slam cast, we've got part two of Kevin Koval's feature, which was recorded on November 13th of 2001. It might be the last recorded show we have from 2001. It's the last one in the folder marked 2001, but I've been wrong about the timeline before, so we'll just have to wait and see. You may have noticed if you're more than a casual... Casual? Fuck it. You may have noticed if you're a frequent listener to the Keizu Slamcast that not every show follows the same format. That's because I'm a big fan of the Muppets, and I always thought of the Slam as kind of a musical variety show, anything goes kind of thing, and our feature was always meant to be the special guest star, and was allowed to do pretty much whatever the fuck they wanted. I always encouraged them to do a poem in the open mic to kind of introduce themselves, and if they wanted to do their feature after the open mic, that was cool, but if they wanted more time, they could go after the slam. They could do the sacrificial poem for the slam if they wanted to. They could judge the slam if they wanted to. Hell, I, I might have let them host the slam a couple of times. It was all kind of up for grabs as far as our features were concerned. Kevin decided to do his feature uh, between the open mic and the slam, which made it very easy to cut this recording into two parts and turn it into two podcasts instead of cramming it all into one. But I didn't have podcasting in mind, of course, in 2001, because I don't think podcasting was a thing back then. Or if it was, nobody knew about it. Anyway, I'm just babbling on, I guess, to make up for the babbling that I didn't do last week. So I'm going to shut the fuck up. Enjoy the show. Everyone still doing all right? People good? People good? All right, all right. Um, I think... How many people remember recently um, in the Democratic primary in the year 2000, our last presidential election? It was, it was, that's what they called it. I don't know. I mean, that's what I, re- that's what I heard on television, right? They wouldn't. Oh, they. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I get. Okay. So do you guys remember, though, when. Um, when uh, Bill Bradley and Al Gore had a, do you guys remember when they had a debate at, at uh, the Apollo? No one remembers it. See, I, I, I might have dreamed this. Yeah, I'll, re- I'll read the dream. But I, I actually, I think, I think it did happen. <clears throat> um, it was rather scary and funny. Maybe, maybe it's not that funny, but to me it was. 
I wonder what Billie Holiday would think. Sitting in seats she filled, listening to rhetoric as her brothers and sisters root on white men planting trees to bear strange fruit. Before a predominantly black audience at Harlem's historical Apollo Theater, two scrambled to woo minority voters in final two-week sprint toward the primary. Two podiums, V, face onlookers like peace sign without spine or circle. Two suits emerge stage right, waving clean cuticles and orthodontic smiles. The debate, sponsored by CNN and Time Magazine, opened, it, opened on a spirited note as both men pounced on a question posed by Reverend Al Sharpton. Wine-grown bigots waging warfare for ratings boosts, speeding up hate because they are too full of themselves. I promise to sign an executive order banning on the federal level police discrimination against minorities. Not to be outdone, the other retorted, if I were elected president of these United States, the first civil rights legislation of the 21st century would be a ban on that practice. Chicago, June 4th through 5th, 1999. Six hours separated the traffic stops of Latanya Haggerty and Robert, Robert Anthony Russ. Unarmed black people going home. Independence Day, murdered by police. Latanya, first family college graduate. Robert, awaited degree from Northwestern University in child and womb of his fiancee. Mayor Daley ruled the deaths justified and worked to ban tinted windows. Not even babies are these men. For babies scream hope covered in nourishment of mother's blood, not blood of indigenous peoples and world workers. Not babies, actually, but children sanctimoniously reciting biblical, passage, their biblical passages their atheist speechwriter penned for them to orate. Children chopping down trees, stealing stones from world markets, experimenting with chemisets, making HIV, make, making HIV Ebola clone mixes to stir the gene pool, dumping poison in streams to see deer develop tumors. Our leaders are bullies hiding behind death, machi death machines bought to impress the women they rape in their wet dreams. The two use the national spotlight to paint each other harshly. Yo mama's so stupid, she thought she needed a ticket to get on Soul Train. Two candidates played to buppy uptown black folk, pumping fists in the air more like daytime talk shows rather than freedom-fighting panthers. Have you all seen Amateur Night at the Apollo recently? For real, have you all seen it? Anyone seen it? No? I haven't seen it, yeah. Well, there was, the gentrified audiences put Sandman out of a job. No more Bobo yanking the two fat Isley brother impersonators off the stage. Now everyone is polite sipping Grand Mochaccinos. Near Martin Luther King Drive and Malcolm X Boulevard, Harlem, USA, an urban mega mall sits prime for consumers to turn their dollars back to men who let them hold minimum wage cogs in the post-industrial plan. Two men killed after they transcended skin and said class struggle. Martin murdered four days after he told blacks to boycott Coca-Cola. Malcolm murdered after, he, murdered after he returned from Mecca, willing to work beyond racial lines with any group seeking to sprout justice. And tonight, 
Spike Lee sits silent, courtside, watching two men volley ignorance and cultural appropriation doing the white thing. I speak to bourgeois and mock the boulevard. One misquotes Chuck D racing for the president. Hey, yo, Kevin, you're a writer. Are we that white? Don't believe the hypes. Um, let's see. How's everyone feeling? I feel like maybe maybe two more pieces. Is that everyone's acceptable? We'll take a vote. All right. All right. All right. Uh, this is about writing because sometimes we should write about writing as well. Um, a friend of mine who just moved to New Mexico to spend some time in his father's hardware store. Uh, is also a filmmaker on his way to L.A. And uh, he, he did this short film called Lost. And um, in one of these scenes, there was a discussion between two of the characters and an older man made this uh, younger man just sit and think about the sound of being alone. And so I kind of meditated a little on that topic. And this is what I came up with. The sound of being alone. The sound of being alone is not blank space or stage, not wind whispering through ears. There is no absence. When quiet in morning with no alarm, waking to natural light or eating frozen pizza at kitchen counter with no TV, CD, radio, or roommates, the mind stretches, opens itself to madness, hilarity, serenity, beauty, philosophy. This is a space where I can dream 10,000 heavens, where I can sit before the mirror wondering where my nose came from, why my pores are so big. Does my dark hair curl into Abraham's recessive traits? How long since I was black, since I looked like Moses, who looked like Pharaoh, who was from Africa, where my mothers passed Hebrew into the ears of their children? This is the space I have walked streets in, and reported to typewriters the sound collections of what I have seen. I am the fly on the wall, the unrecognizable stance of white kid in homeless shelter sociology projects, scared and intrigued, quiet, wide-eyed, hoping someone will talk to me. I am poet, wandering through suburban garages, locating watermarks left by shovels and rain, photographing them, naming them God's art. This is a space to walk fields in, listen to birds' instructions, sit on a bus, train, stroll carnivals to collage conversations like DJ or postmodern scholar jigsawing meaning for future pontifications, back of the club scribbling still lifes giving names to Darius's bass pluck, using comparative religious theory to construct mythologies for B-girl dance floor head rap stylistics, the invisible corner at Lidex I hid notes and ruminations, Prophecies in the world's train stations, recording present moments like William Carlos Williams mimicking Buddha, though he didn't see it that way, and hence the genius. This is a space of L platforms, where silver snakes rumble through the innards of cancerous cities, and MCs find meter in the noise, freestyling crown sustainers, and history lessons to ask the workers, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Ah, ah, oh, ah. I can't do that. Where you at? I am historian. Recalling recent laughter in suburban experiments. Eric and I play baseball behind Ace Hardware. 
We steal sod bag bases, fast pitch nine innings, select diamond heroes to emulate. I was Doc Gooden on the mound, Daryl Strawberry at the plate, both of them together when I started getting high. I am hysteric with delusions of grandeur. If a red light seeps into my window, I imagine hitmen. Think of Biggie Smalls, people sent to get me, women paid to take me out, my own family turned informant, told my location. This is space disturbed, second, second guessing. This is mind free thinking its own destruction. I have botulism, will kill Christians, trip old ladies, touch myself in public, never speak with my family again. We are gonna die, we are being attacked, there's going to be trouble, there is going to be war. I should steal food, fuck more. Erect bulletproof self-preservation tanks, secret cities. I should move to Canada, stock water, buy guns, get beef dehydration units and move off the grid. Destruction, conspiracy, destruction, conspiracy. Fear of death can all be boxed, recognized, pushed out of this space if I occupy with breath. I am all that is here. All the thoughts beautiful and horrific, prophetic and idyllic the cacophony of ideas clamoring for light. I am the noise breathing transcends, the struggle to focus, inhaling and exhaling, inhaling and exhaling. In this space, I can paint the walls of my mind red like Malcolm's head, brush my teeth with fire, spit out words that burn silent in family photographs. I am the writer who cannot meditate, who needs to arrange letters to unlock emotions. The writer with berry paste designing symbols on my skin. The writer with spray can beautifying the public mind. The Jewish scribe sanding hieroglyphics in master's house, leaving cracks between his narratives to ensure my people will have a space to tell their own. This is a space where I don't need words, where I can dance alone in this room, nowhere to be found. Um, thank you. And uh, also, the television tells me sometimes. Are we? We're at war right now. We are. Or we aren't. Don't know. They're. They're. I don't know. We're a crusade against evildoers. Evil. We're getting. Oh, they. Ooh, he must have been crying. Okay. Well, from what I hear. You know, through rumor, uh, you know, we've been laying some bombs um, on people, like we've been doing actually since 92, one, in Iraq, since, since his daddy, like, held the job. Um, but this is, this is, it's hard, I mean, it's hard, you know, it's hard dealing with all this. Um, but I find it really, really difficult to speak with my family, to talk with them because I have different opinions than they do. And yet, you know, I still build with them. I mean, I love my mother, I love my father, I love my brother and my whole family, but sometimes it's hard. And so this is uh, kind of about our conversations. It's called Family Feud. My mother asks if I've done anything patriotic these last days of white men pointing crooked fingers back at their own conscience. A flag, a ribbon, blood. Nothing have, I nothing have I done different except watch TV. 
My father screams fists through my face when I mention this new war AIDS right-wing rhetoric and maybe the government is involved in ways known secret books from now. Six-day war in 1967, he says later, air world poised to push Israel into the dead. See, and you were too young to remember, and you only point out the negative, and you don't see progress this country has made. My mother's voice rises like defense shields when I ask if she wants my daughter to be murdered by bombs built in the bombardment of self-delusion. Aren't the bodies and memories buried beneath rubble and war declarations innocent? New York is Afghanistan. I tell her in language I haven't found yet. My grandfather dead three years returns between nihilism and clarity, says Ike and MacArthur are patriots. Why don't you leave this country if you won't lay truth down for it? Arab mother lover, you pacifist, goddamn, hu goddamn humanitarian. 30 years earlier, my uncle Stephen took manuscripts to Manhattan rather than continue scraping his knuckles against his father's nearsightedness. My family says I remind them of him every time I open my mouth and dream. But I am staying here, listening to my father speak the John Wayne brutality of white colonialism, here in front of my aunt's television set, glued to learn her stories before her heart sleeps silent, here in the smoke clouds of ignorance and the dialectic divide between kin, here between the shores of death, trying to speak with my family. My mother is in Arizona. My mother is in Afghanistan. My mother is in Iraq. My mother is in Palestine. I love my mother, though at times we don't find language to share. I defend her right to exist. Y'all, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to share with y'all. Thank you. The eviction notice of our hopes pinned to the door of the closest we ever came. The puddle of our tears collecting and rising. I touch a fingertip to the surface, creating ripples in the reflection, reversing our perception until the abundant possibilities burst astounding across the Milky Way of our heart's vision. And you and I are crying for all the beauty and struggle, the chances and coincidences that point us forward while we are glancing backwards, attempting to rewrite our remembering. Give me a moment I can taste and we will never go hungry. For I will print these instants on my lips so that every kiss satisfies the desire that longing leaves when wishes our prayers left unanswered. His lungs stopped breathing, his heart stopped beating, and his mind skipped like a dusty needle stuck in the groove of yesterday, forced to replay the same sound, the same sound. The same sound of a past blurred by the spreading stain on his mind, eating away the edges of reality until he could see nothing beyond his own thoughts. My father's brain injury was like a six-year acid trip God slipped into his martini one night 
It was like saying a word over and over and over until the meaning of language gets lost in the sound. And he was riding the wave of his rocket moon groove dance cowboy disco jam. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, go now! He was taking a trip, and there was no room for us on his invisible bullet brain train, no room for us on his private shuttle to Mars. The edges of his finely woven mind, lined with war stories and PhDs, had frayed. The margins of his life's dissertation, where our names were meticulously etched in ink, had torn. And we were left behind in the notebook of real time while he swung out on limbs we could never reach. He couldn't teach us the electric Kool-Aid patterns hiding behind his eyes, couldn't decipher the paisley haze overlaying his strange new sight. Because he knew the shape of God now, saw blue lightning branches of trees like the fingers of Jesus reached straight for his heart, plucked like harp strings, the holy harmony echo, echo, echo in his veins. His children fell like tears from flaming silver eyes and soft wax features. He burned for six years, passed like 65 when he first died, crucified in the crisscross, loss of oxygen, lost in space, his mind like lace full of blank spaces. His face went blank as a Blank page of queens and daughters, his queen of hearts, pure diamonds and spades, digging, digging, digging deep, deep as the deep blue sea. I see him, see him singing songs, sung blue, 15 miles, 15 miles, 15 miles. My father's brain damage was like an acid trip. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, Carol, it was like, it was like 15 miles on the Erie Canal. It's that man who's laid back but still keeps it wild. A drifter as a man, outcasted as a child. Now mentally, I never let it bother me much because instead of being blessed, well, a nigga was touched in the dome. Leave me alone, I gotta get my thoughts straight. I try to hold it down, but I can't concentrate. Reoccurring nightmares, screams in the dark. Did I bring this on myself or was I fucked from the start? My head stuck in the clouds, tears falling to earth because I've been trapped in this hell since birth. Now worse comes to worse, it makes a nigga have to wonder why. I lie each time I smile because really I want to cry. Damn, I'm so confused, so at times I gotta ask, should I cancel my future just to escape from my past? <laughs> Whoever said that this life I lead was simple, if it was, I wouldn't do 85. The residentials wouldn't have to deal with crooked thoughts all the time. Wouldn't have to struggle just to find peace of mind. And so a sad chapter must come to a close because the alcohol just spilled all in my clothes. Damn! The older I get, the less comfort I glean from those people who've been technically dead and then revived to describe moving towards a brilliant light. 
perhaps this is how eternal torment begins. I draw away from the light. In darkness there's peace while our culture runs towards the light. The solar deity in our programming whispers, the light is good, is male, is action, is progress. The dark is bad, female, dangerous, and primitive. Every white bigot and every sexist of any race that I've ever met pinned it up with that litany. My only recitation will be silence as I run into darkness, weightless, giddy, and nauseated into the vast shadowed spring that gives birth to myth. Let me embrace the void where magic still lingers and drive out the deathly certainty of the light. Light the shining killer, the joyless, the regimented. Light up the workday so the indentured can work longer hours than any ancient field slave. Light the foe of rest. Run, children, run from the light. I am the light and the life, saith the Lord. But who was the angel of light? Run, children, from the light where your faults will be exposed and detailed. From the light of control where the enlightened will be above you. Their words, the speech of masters to servants. Their bright laws laid in gold and silver gleaming. From the light of the midday sermon. The light of television. The light of altars. Run to the dark. To winter night clarity. Words still work here. Smoke and mirrors don't. Illusion lies impotent and useless eyes closed to conquer fear and sorrow. Draw strength from its source. Be cozened in survival, for the light approaches. The light of Dresden before the morning of ash. The light of Hiroshima leaving human photo negatives on stone and concrete. The light in the eyes of the madmen who rule us. <clears throat> Run, children, into darkness. The light is coming. Cities spread their arms and the stars fade. Video flickers and sacred tales of ancient times are forgotten. Bright lights and bright baubles beckon and the tongues of our ancestors blur into oblivion. In darkness, we know ourselves for animals saddled with that spirit of light and we know the loss and the lie of it. In the light, we are rational enough to forget this, and something dies beyond reclamation. In darkness is a grandmother, aeons old, warm as summer storm cloud twilight, who would paint upon you with a murmuring wisdom, magic and wisdom such as gods were weaned on. There isn't enough darkness. Let my deities be dark for the light now comes, I will run into Every night I tell a story about a waterfall and a rainbow a boat, a river, and a little girl who eats ice cream for dinner. She wants to be a fireman and says she hears violins in her imagination. She is three years old, three feet tall, 31 pounds, and all my hope springs from the deep gloss of her eyes. I watch her spin until the sky falls down, talk to herself when no one's around. She prefers her own company and classical music. 
She has my feet, the same overlapping toe, my chin, my smile, though I think she has her father's cheekbones. She catches crickets and ladybugs and lets them go, picks her nose because she likes to and blows dandelions into tomorrow. She knows that ropes are for cowboys, that certain rocks are special, and that the ghost of a little boy lives in her bedroom. She memorizes storybooks, goes by her own tune and looks in the mirror to practice her mad face. She races me to the car, to the door, to the bathroom, thinks the alphabet is a beautiful song and says the sun belongs to her, but she'll share it. Her hands are named Flick and Nala. Her stuffed cow is called Fiddle Fiddle Dee. Her name is Quincy. She wants to marry her mommy, and she reminds me of a promise I made years ago. Leaning over the edge of my bed, my head spinning with blood, I believed the world really had changed with my view of it. And I knew I never wanted to grow up and forget the way people collapse into paper cartons, take up less space, and lose their laughter. And she is the miracle I have tried to create in gardens and pots, packing down roots, trying to motivate my plants with handfuls of dirt, half-hearted chanting and water. I've killed an evergreen, a baby fern, and a bonsai tree. Now I'm stuck in the role of adult, telling her to drink her milk, eat her veggies, pay attention, sit up tall so she can grow as big as me. And I know I'm not as patient as a gardener should be. I'm wilting before my time like the withered sage on my front step, like the Mother's Day begonia dropping its yellow buds still curled into smiles against the sidewalk. But I'm here to guide her as she blooms and fades with her own fertile cycle like the African violet, the charming pot rose. I'll water and wait as she blooms and grows into her own vibrant shape. And I will see her eyes swell when she believes the world really has changed with her view of it and see them droop when she knows that it hasn't. I think someday she might have a garden with strands of silver licorice and cherry tomatoes kneeling with hands deep in the earth. She might have a hard time making things grow. She might have her own daughter who radiates light, and she might tell her stories about a waterfall and a rainbow, a boat, a river, and a little girl who eats ice cream every night. Now let's take a trip back in time, years back, total nine. People staring at us like being born was our crime. No love, what we ever shown? A brighter day we've never known. We were trapped in the storm and we dwelled alone. A trail of tears marks the path we chose. Spent the next few years learning friends from foes while you were out looking for love that you never had. I found my only true friends wore a pen in the pad of shed tears. So many times changing thoughts to rhymes. Took another four years before we crossed the line to this day. I can't explain how we suppressed the pain. We were thought so many times to be insane but some way our lives crossed now we're on the same path scrapping back to back against the demons of the past took turns took, ah, took it <laughs> took turns wiping tears from each other's eyes whispering hold on because one day we're gonna rise had to fight our way through all the pain and all the doubt held each other's heads up when the bottoms dropped out of our lives and when i thought i couldn't take it any longer you taught me that which doesn't kill me only makes me stronger fought our way through the fire we swam our way through the flood bonded stronger than steel our tie is deeper than blood all up because you taught me how to trust again the only person i could truly call a friend now in this cold world you taught me how to cope and I know that you deserve better, but currently I'm broke.
So won't you help me sing these songs of freedom? Because all we ever had crashed down in the early morning, glinting sunlight streaming off the wings of our progress. Now we are all searching in the rubble for survivors that we buried in our arrogance, thinking ourselves impenetrable, and where do we go from here? Clutching rosaries and flags as if symbols could replace the fear we hear in the pounding of our hearts in each newscast. 500 reservists were called to active duty today. As this nation prepares for war, as, the de as if the death of a thousand more could ease the sorrow of those in mourning. When we will only create the tears falling from the eyes of the innocent, mixing with the blood of those who have already paid the price. Gave their lives in retribution for these lies we choose to believe when we allow one to starve and judge the... I just want to be happy. And happiness comes from the achieving of goals. It's just that when you've made your first billion by the age of 19, it's hard to keep coming up with new ones. But now, finally, I got myself a new goal. Wild domination! <laughs> oh.